Hello and welcome to One Throw at a Time, a player's perspective on the game that builds and breaks our hearts. Today we have Rowan's story part two. Rowan and I are very excited to share it with you. A little bit of a rhyme scheme there. Let's get into it. A scary part of the tryout was that you just don't know how long they are. It's like, open tryout, I got through. Then the first closed tryout, they said, okay, you made it back again. And I think there was probably six or seven tryouts. And I just kept surviving each cut, kind of like my basketball the first year. And I got to the end. There's a couple of spots left. And they start asking me these questions like, what's your commitment going to be? I'm like, I'm going to be at everything. Um, like, all, like, again, like the hustle player, dive on the floor player, take charge player. And it comes down to, all right, our last tryout is a scrimmage against Pony at a neutral site in Connecticut and halfway between both, which is great for me because I'm probably an hour away from it. And I go to that tryout and that tryout game and I get one really, really nice deep block in the deep space jumping. Like that was my game. And uh, yeah, they said, we'll call you in a day or two. My phone rings. I'm back home. It's Monday or Tuesday night. And it's George Stubbs, a legend. And he says, Rowan, we've decided to offer you a spot and invest in you as kind of an up-and-coming project. Those were the words. Wow. That's uh, How did that make you feel? I was happy. I was, I was, and I remember this too, I was 50-50. Like, I'm pretty self-aware. I'm very optimistic first, but I'm also self-aware. And I was like, it's, it's 50-50. Um, just based on who else was left and how I played, I, I've never been like 50, 50 like that in my life where I'm like, I don't know what they're going to say. So super happy, super surprised, super thankful. And yeah, uh, that was probably June, 2013. And what was it like being the project on Ironside? I loved it. I loved it. I was commuting. At this point, I had played online poker as kind of my job for a bit, but they shut online poker down in the U.S. Um, in 2011 or 12. But my my best friend from childhood outside of Roxbury, Andy Sherman Ash, was like, "Hey, Rowan, like we can go to Montreal and play there." So we went and got an apartment in Montreal that summer of 2013. And I would commute from Connecticut to Montreal and then Montreal to Boston to Montreal. And we were trying to like do that, which was getting a little bit, a little bit difficult. But there was a lot of commuting, a lot of travel playing, but I was very committed. I didn't miss any practices. Um, and I just remember spending a lot of time with Miles Montgomery Butler and Alex Simmons had a little apartment with um, Alex Cooper at the time, I believe. And uh, Jack Hatchett, I think, was crashing with them. So that was my kind of crew to show me the ropes in Ultimate, so to speak. But everybody was so helpful. It's like you have a project on your team. Everybody's giving you tips and tricks, which looking back on it now way too much information. They're all like, you got to do that. You got to do that. You got, and I'm nodding. I'm like, I don't even know what, what the freaking force is. I got in so much trouble from Josh McCarthy, the coach. Rowan, you're on the wrong side of your player. I'm like, 
it happens. It comes with the territory, but everybody in the long and overall was very supportive. I got to see a, a great team. It was well run, great leadership. Russell Wallach, you know, you know it's going to be good leadership when he's involved. So, yeah, just soaking up as, as much as I could, like wishing I was up there to do some of the workouts midweek, but um, yeah, trying to make it as a part time poker player, which which didn't work out. And what was like, how did playing poker, did it dovetail at all with like your athletic mindset? Like what, because you were playing poker for a while, right? That was from 20, yeah. like when, when did you start playing through this time? Like when did you stop playing 2013, 2014? Yeah, I mean, I had played a lot ever since high school in like the poker boom. Um, forget what year that was, maybe 2007, eh, no, 2005. So we had been playing in high school. And then in college is when I started to use it as a job. So I probably played all college. And then my last year of college was when it got shut down. So I had taken a year to a hiatus, maybe like a year and a half, hadn't played until we found out that, hey, we can play in Canada. So yeah, I think it worked with Ultimate in that it was flexible for scheduling. So I've always... And you'll hear about some of these jobs soon, but I've always kind of prioritized ultimate and found flexible jobs around that so I could continue to pursue it when I wanted. So you're on Ironside 2013, right? Mm -hmm. Did Was that the same year you also made Whitecaps or did that come later? Yeah. So during my 2013 Ironside campaign, that was kind of the first year of the MLU and the Whitecaps, which was the local team. And there's a big overlap. So I got there acclimated in June. They were probably halfway done their season. So I kind of followed the Whitecaps that year. They went undefeated and won the championship, I'm pretty sure. But I wasn't a part of that. And it was, yeah, it was their inaugural year. Great. So not getting too far ahead of ourselves, you played... With Boston, Ironside 2013, how did that season end up? And how what was like the takeaway from it for you? Because I know there was probably a lot swimming around in your head. But yeah, end. yeah, that one was a heartbreaker. Um, yeah, I was, they did a good job of developing me in blowouts and not that close games. But, you know, nationals, regionals, I, I didn't see the field if it was a, if it was a really close game. So I was still way out of the rotation, but good good sideline voice, um, good teammate. And yeah, I think at Nationals, I played a couple in pool play. Um, one against Chain in quarterfinals, where I think I ended up getting scored on, but we were up late. And semifinals comes, and it's Ironside Sockeye 2013, which is like a game you should watch, but then for some reason on YouTube, the quality, it's like horrible but it was a, a universe game i'm not playing a universe semifinal game i didn't touch i had my coat on it was like that like i'm not going in i'm putting my coat on so they win on some ridiculous game crazy game and sockeye wins sockeye wins and this was in sarasota still this was in texas oh I in think texas this was maybe one of the first years may i think scandal won this year but yeah i'm just like we lost, and I was devastated. Like, I was so sad for everybody else. I just remember that. Like, I was, like, crying, and everybody's like, you know, it's okay. Like, so that's that's something I also remember. Um, and then the next game, this is another conversation that 
I remember I talked to Josh and he's like, Hey, like tomorrow we got a game against Bravo, which at this point is an important game because there's three bids to the worlds. This is a world's qualifying year for world clubs. And Josh is like the winner tomorrow gets to go to world clubs. So I literally say to him, I'm like, Josh, like, you don't have to play me. And like, you know, if, if you need to push for it, go for it. And which is kind of funny looking back, like, like I, I feel like today I'm the player that like play me, especially if it's a close game. But back then I was just like, you don't have to play me. And then he was like, Rowan, we're going to play you tomorrow. It's like kind of a consolation game. So shout out to them. I played a few points and we beat them. So we qualified for world club championships in 2014. That's great. And so heartbreaking year for Boston overall in 2013, but you obviously learned a lot and it seemed like as much ultimate wise um, as it was just learning about kind of the politics of it all, learning the personalities of the players and seeing how much that impacts each different team. And so then, correct me if I'm wrong, you're all in on Boston. Yeah. You dropped the apartment in Montreal. You're not in Connecticut anymore. You moved into Boston proper with Jack Hatchett. Is that correct? Yep. That's the next step. Like you said, like once I start to learn about the politics of the team and like, the energy of like the, a, a club ultimate team. I, I knew I couldn't commute again. And, you know, like I said, I'm pretty dedicated to this. Like I, I'm not going to get a profession. I'm going to put ultimate first, even though I'm playing zero points a game, <laughs> like kind of crazy. Think about it, but I went for it. So I'm going to Boston. So that winter in Connecticut, my last winter, um, getting ready for Boston, delivering pizzas at a, Papa John's, a brand new one, save up some money, not a lot. I'm, you know, hustling and Jack Hatchett is, saves the day. He says, Rowan, I have a one bedroom in Somerville, which is you know right next to Boston in the area. He's like, you can live in, in the living room, which was a pretty big living room. And I get a, like a discounted rent because it's pretty cheap. So that's great. And, you know, at this time, Jack and Claudia Tajima had started dating and she's great. So I got to spend a lot of time with them. And I get to the apartment probably uh, mid-April and tryouts are underway. And I'm trying out now, not only for Boston Ironside, but also for the Boston Whitecap MLU team that I had also wanted to be part of. Great. And that was obviously like a big move for you kind of getting to a new city, kind of integrating more with uh, what you thought would be your teammate and yep. uh, your your group of teammates, and then what happened then? Yeah, so that's April, and the Whitecaps tryout process finished a little bit before club, which always happens. Pro's just an earlier season. And right before the, right before, um, the tryout finished, Alex Simmons, who was a captain on the White Caps, but not on the Iron Side, was like, we we're having a one-on-one conversation. He's like, maybe I asked him where am I at in the process, but I think he said out of the blue, he's like, Rowan, at the very worst on the White Caps, like, you'll be a practice player, like at the very worst. And that was like interesting to me because I was like, hmm, like I kind of put myself in the team. Like I, I thought I was playing a little bit better. I ended up making the white cap, so I didn't really think anything of it. That's in May, and then Ironside continues to try out, and it's the same 
process where it's week after week, called back, called back. And then, um, yeah, we have our last tryout um, last weekend of May, I believe. And they said the same thing, like, hey, we're going to call everybody in the next couple of days. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, I definitely climbed up the rankings a little bit. I had taken more of a role on the field. I cleaned up all my mistakes of like completely blowing the force and getting really lost. My throws had gotten a lot better. And yeah, so I I am at home. I think it's June 2nd because uh, it's the day after my birthday, so it's pretty hard to forget. And I'm eating a peanut butter jelly sandwich. Like it's these flashbacks are pretty crazy. I'm two thirds of the way through it and my phone rings and I instantly get nervous. Like I just, I don't know if it was a time of day or I saw it was Russell Wallach. That also was a red flag because George had called me the year before to tell me I made the team. So Russell Wallach's on the phone and he was like my confidant. Like he's really nice mentor wanted to be just like him, great human. And he picks up the phone and says, hey, Rowan, we're going to offer you a spot as a practice player for 2014. Just like that. Same words, exact words. And then I was like, like stomach crashed, like got the chills. It was unbelievable. So we, I don't remember what the rest of the conversation was, but once I hung up, I was like still a little bit in shock and frozen to kind of be cut as a returner after moving to that city to play with them. And so I just like instantly thought about two things. Once like I started cleaning up all my stuff, I don't know if just like subconsciously, but like I was like, well, I moved here for this team and now I'm not on the team. Like, do I move back to Connecticut? Do I quit my pursuit? Like it's already, I'm already picking like these jobs around ultimate and like all of a sudden I'm told I'm not good enough to play for the team I played for last year. So I'm like going backwards. So my mind's everywhere. And then I finally get sad. I just remember thinking about like, damn, I'm not going to play with Matt Rebholtz. Like that was just one thing that just like made me really sad. And yeah, um, yeah, that day was crazy. Uh, the email came out. Uh, yeah, let me pull it up. I'll read it. I think that was at the time where I didn't know what I was doing when it came to technology. So I signed my name as like Esteban Rowan because I'm like, I don't want this place knowing my real name. But then like all my emails came out as Esteban Rowan. And <laughs> like, it was like a, a bit on the team. They're like, who's Esteban? So um, <laughs> That might just be the most 2013 thing I've ever heard. Rowan. It was pretty close. <laughs> I think it's in my starred one. So the email comes out and it has the list of the 27 names and this is the first blurb underneath it. Congratulations to each of you for making the final squad in a very competitive year. In addition, we have asked Rowan to come back, but for the time being as a practice player with an offer to play at the U.S. Open in July, given that we won't field the full roster at the tournament and of course at Worlds. I can speak for the leadership and probably everyone on this list when I say that Rowan has grown by leaps and bounds as a player in the relatively short time that he has played the game, and I very much want him affiliated with Ironside for the long haul. It's small consolidation to him, I'm sure, but we hope that he remains in the fold this season. 
The fact that we didn't put him on the team this year speaks volumes to the apparent depth of this year's squad. So I got the shout out in the in the cut in the team email. That's brutal, though. Yeah, pretty tough. Yeah, and I feel like everyone can everyone listening can empathize with having like their stomach drop out at hearing news of whatever kind it is, whether it's getting cut from a sports team or not getting that promotion that you wanted at work or whatever yeah. it may be. Um, so when we expect something, even if it's subconsciously, and then not having those expectations fulfilled, Crazy. that can really be crushing. And then to have that be, in your case at this time, like so the the center of your life. Yeah, totally. Much. Yeah. So yeah. Hey there. It's Johnny again. Just with a little interview break. Wanted to say hi, see how you were doing. Hope you're doing well. And if not, things will get better. Hang in there. There are brighter days on that horizon. Thanks for listening to Rowan's story part two. Next week, we are going to hit you with the final installation of Rowan's story. That'll be part three. And then after that, we'll be back to regularly scheduled programming. We're going to do a big mailbag episode where we answer all of your questions. We know they've probably been piling up for a couple weeks now. We want you to keep sending them in. We want that to be a big flagship mailbag episode. So please send them in to O-N-E-T-H-R-O-W-P-O-D at gmail.com, onethrowpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at onethrowpod, same spelling. That's all I've got to say for now. Hope that you're enjoying this Rowan-centric mini-series. I know I am. It's such an honor to hear his story. Let's get back to it now. That uh, must have been crushing. And did you accept that practice player spot? What was your kind of trajectory moving forward? Because you'd made white caps. Yeah. Your club thing was still that up was in the tough. air. What that was, was the I mean, that was the hardest like? part. I mean, the, the hardest part, not the hardest part. I already talked about the hardest part. But one of the, like, oh, this moment sucks was going to the next Wednesday Whitecaps uh, practice. That was going to be the first time that I saw everybody. So I get there first on purpose. I get there an hour and a half early um, at Hor- Hormel Stadium where they still play. Uh, so I'm there, and then they start trickling in. And again, this is the first time. Everybody's seen the email. Everybody knows. It's like it's a talk around town. It's like this, this kid moved here, and this up-and-coming kid, oh, yeah, he got cut. So it was just like a lot of people just like one at, one at a time would come up to me and be like, damn, man, that sucks, that sucks, stuff like that. Uh, Miles Montgomery Butler stands out to me. He was in the, he wasn't a captain, but there's kind of a, they call it the junta, which is an extended leadership for roster selection. And he just like came up to me directly and kind of, he like, he owned it and said, you know, there's nothing that he can say that that's good. But I just remember he was just so good about it, even though I was like, I knew he was in the decision. And it came out years after that Miles was actually one of the players or the, that was trying to keep me. Uh, I don't know how that conversation shook out, never asked, but that came up randomly years after. And I was just so impressed that he had fought to keep me on the team, ended up cutting me, but still was like, 
made it about the whole leadership and he didn't be like they cut you but i tried so yeah that's cool. and that's really hard to do Very. from a place of leadership especially because it's way easier to kind of hide behind yeah like i didn't like when you're in a group yeah. that's making decisions that can affect people's lives so directly, it's easy to be like, well, I was kind of on the fence. Well, I didn't know other people were swaying further, mm-hmm. but it is really important. And I think a lesson that I'm still learning as part of the Breeze leadership to own every decision that is made, uh, because if you have a like usually the way that those decisions work is the strongest opinion wins. Yeah. That's what I found. Which like, maybe why I, I got cut because... Obviously, I didn't spend too much time in it, and I've never done this, but there are seven people in the leadership. I'll run through them all, and I'll, I'll say who gave me a thumbs up and thumbs down. Let's as a do guess. It. Okay. Miles, thumbs up. I'm pretty sure that one. Russell Wallach, don't know to this day, but I'm going thumbs up. I think so, too. Yeah, I think so. He's such a sweetie. Josh McCarthy, I think went thumbs down. Seems like he was more strict. Yeah, he would would tell me to. I never asked him. The instigator in this whole process, in my opinion, again, these are all guesses. George Stubbs ran me off. Wow. That's my hot take. The person who called you and brought you onto the team maybe brought you out of it. I think it was a thumbs down. That was four. Jimmy Foster, very neutral on Jimmy. Doesn't know him too well. I'm going to say thumbs down. Because I think Will Neff was a thumbs up. Mm-hmm. And He's kind of more in the Wallach camp anyway. Yeah, like. yeah. They got the Amherst love, the connections. Sides, yeah. And then, um, yeah, Danny Clark was the last one. And I also think he may have been a, a small thumbs down, even though he was kind of somebody that took me under his wing. Still, still a great guy. Like like him. Love him to death. And But that's my guess. I don't know any of those. We'll ask them, maybe. Well, Hopefully, we, we should. We should dive in. We should call each one of them up, actually. What were you thinking? One of these times. So I took the spot as a practice player. And like they said, I let, they let me play U.S. Open and also Worlds because they honored the fact that I was on the team that qualified for Worlds. So they let me uh, have that experience as well. And what was it like playing worlds with ironside what was kind of the dynamic there was it kind of just like back to normal was everyone kind of glossing over the fact and just treating it like you know a one-off experience so they weren't really like super sensitive to your situation or anything what was that like yeah there it was it was a crazy time because two things were happening the first thing that's very important is that i had gotten i reached a few people reached out play on mixed teams or teams around Boston when they heard I got cut. And I settled in for Garuda, which is this was the second best team out of Boston. And I said, I'm in, let's do it. Um, I'm still practicing with Ironside, if that's okay, until Worlds. And then after Worlds, then you know I'll, I'll stop practicing with Ironside and, and commit to this club. But that was what I, the agreement. They were down. Um, and the second thing that was happening at this time that's important is that my personal game was taking off. This was the fastest I had improved in the whole process, probably from getting cut to a couple weeks later, which is Worlds, maybe a, a month or two later. First and foremost, I outworked everybody in the sport. Like I said, I got a job walking dogs from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., 
and then a part-time job in at a pizza restaurant as like the receptionist uh, answering the phones, taking orders, just so I could train full-time. And I was training hard because I got cut. I was running, I was lifting, so I started lifting, I was running, I was throwing. Unbelievable. Uh, and I was just improving so much that when I got to Worlds with Ironside, instead of being like, oh, this player was cut, he's an afterthought, he's out of the rotation, I possibly led the team in blocks like that whole week. It was my coming to the sport moment. And I ended up getting in the rotation against the Buzz Bullets in that famous Buzz Bullet Ironside game. Um, I have a sweet haircut from Matt Revholtz that game. You can check that out. And after that, it was consolation, but I was still locked in. I was still trying to get, I was getting blocks. I threw like this 30-yard lefty scuba. And at that moment, it was like, they were like, shit, like we fucked up. And, And I know it. And ironically, two people on Ironside got injured at that tournament. John Hirschberger, and maybe Jeremy from Harvard. I, I can't remember. So they had two spots. And they're like, Rowan, we want you for the club series in the U.S. Like, we just had these injuries. This is the last, um, at, at the end of the Worlds, we were doing a, a skills camp in Denmark. And Russell's like, hey, we had those injuries. You got to come play with us. And I said, I won't beat you. I won't play Garuda, and I'll see you at regionals. Didn't even give it a second. I only practiced with Garuda like three or four times up to that point. But I'm like, they're my team. They chose me. I'm coming for y'all. That's incredible, Ro. I feel like it definitely embodies the spirit of everything that I love about Ultimate, which is, you know, going dancing with the person that brought you. Amen. You know, yeah. if, if someone believes in you, stick with them. And I Very think loyal. That that's, uh, yeah, that's something that you definitely have taught me. So that is incredible to hear. Did you beat them at regionals? Okay, so that four weeks that I was telling you about where I was just working, I kept it going that whole year. And I was ready for that regionals game. And Garuda had been to the game to go against Pony the year before. So Garuda's not like an afterthought. Like they're going to compete. They're going to try to get in that game to go. And how the tournament worked out was we missed Ironside. But uh, first time we played Pony, it was one of the best games of my life. I think we lost on Universe. But we're feeling good. We're playing well. Then we do get into the game to go against Pony again later that tournament. And Ironside and everybody's watching at this point because the game to goes are always the... uh, the last ones at the iconic Devons at iconic Devons, which is absolutely beautiful. That was my second Devons cause I had played Ironside the year before, but this was the first time where at this point, like I'm one of our top defenders, isolation cut on the turn, have a big role, you know, playing every D point and yeah, I'm ready to, you know, it's not Ironside, but I'm still playing some of the best ultimate of my life. And I'm excited to try to, you know, go to nationals. And how'd the game turn out? The game was interesting. There was a moment in it where we had a shot to break. First off, this Garuda team that I'm on has sent some famous people around. Tanner Johnson was like 17. Mac Hecht was like 16. You know, we had Robin. He was like the mixed, one of the runner-up players of the year. And yeah, we had a lot of people. Ben Sadok, young Ben Sadok was on that team. Really? 
Yeah, we had some like, iconic. We had really young Ben Katz. Uh, too many legends. So game's good. I think it was like four four though. We get a turn, and I try to launch this like seventy yard backhand to Tanner, and it just goes out of bounds at the end. That was could have been a shot to uh, make a run early, but. It was one of those games where we go down like three or four and then play it really close the whole game. But um, yeah, I, I think I had two or three blocks. I was playing really well defensively. I was throwing a bunch of lefty scubers. Those must have been in that, that year. And yeah, I had a great game. Garuda played well, but Pony was better than us that year. And, and the last play, they ran a trick play where... Um, Chris Mazur centered to BBH and then just ran deep from the Himmler spot. And so somebody like pointed to like help and I was last back. So I go help and I could have a play on it, but it was like a really awkward angle because I was coming right at him and I ended up not even trying to jump and bid. They caught it. They celebrated right there and the season that like I had been dreaming about for a while and up and down highs and lows was, was over right there. And I was, just me and my Papa John's hat. That game is somewhere. It's, it's well worth it. Watch it. Rowan, hearing you talk about all of this, Devins, Northeast, mm. all these names come up. It's amazing to me because then, fast forward to Little Johnny, 2013, the same time, my first year at Nutsy. Oh, my God. Guess who was my counselor then? Russell. Russell, Russell Wallace. Alex Simmons. No way. I saw Tanner because he you was know around. He was like a cool guy around. I don't think he was going to camp. Wow. But. I remember that practice weekend because everybody's like, oh, the Nazi guys aren't here. Yeah. They were all talking to you. Yeah. That's kind of, that's so weird. It is wild how the paths are, are crisscrossing. And um, yeah, it's amazing how like you knew them as teammates then. I knew them as like just these basically yeah. people to look up to sure. and mentors and coaches and people who I couldn't even touch at all. And then um, now we're teammates and, and all this. It now, all happens. Now we can play any of them two on two. Now we can play them two on two. That'd be Whoa. sweet. Uh, and like later on in my life, I'm like staying with Russell, doing chestnuts with him. So it's amazing that the all these uh, sort of paths are crossing in the small ultimate world. That context leads up to the sort of timeline question anything else you wanted to talk about your time in boston before we move part two before part two yeah there's one last major piece of kind of my pre-dc ultimate career 2014 finishes up yes i have a vendetta against ironside but i do acknowledge they're a great team and oh my god i love garuda like Truck 2022, Breeze 2021, and like, you know, Garuda 2014 are just like, to me, like amazing team experiences. So I love them. But I knew that, hey, I'm going to try to make the most out of this. I'm going to, I got to play, you know, on the best teams that I possibly can. So I knew that I was going to make a jump the next year. Now, a couple things happen that changed the trajectory one is that first off that winter is the snowiest craziest winter of my life and it was just it was a hard winter harsh winter so i'm up there battling that still walking dogs in this like four feet of snow outside and at 
And at this time, like I said, some things were about to happen. First thing is my younger brother, Chad, gets a job as a Navy contractor. He does like nuclear um, waste. Um, well, he'll, he'll be pissed that I said that. He's like a nuclear guy for the Navy. He makes sure submarines don't have too much radiation contamination on it. Anyways, he never, he's never given me the elevator pitch. Like, so that's on you. Anyways. It's on you, Chad. It's on you. I go on a cross-country car trip out there. And this is like, oh, you know what? I would say this is probably February or March. And I'm like, oh, I'll use this trip to just, what's my future going to be? And on that trip, um, I think, okay, I think I'm going to stick it out with Boston and give them another chance. I love the guys. I still do. Like, they're great. And... Yeah, I'm pretty much, I am going back to Boston. So that's that's where my decision is. I get back to Boston after the cross-country trip. And I then get a call in the beginning of, beginning of, or the middle of March that my aunt, Shannon, the one I looked up to, wanted to be a professional baseball player. Shannon is really sick. She was battling cancer and then it took a turn for the worst. So I go back because my brother Chad had just moved opposite side of the coast. My parents are separated and my older brother is hustling somewhere. So I have a flexible lifestyle. I slide back. My mom's taking care of my aunt. My mom's a hospice nurse, which like is the most amazing profession ever. And she's perfect for it. She's taking care of my aunt and I'm taking care of my mom in the house. And we, us three are kind of working through these things. So I am living at home and, you know, basically just kind of me there. I'm, my best friend now is like 15 years younger than me, Connor, uh, one of Danny's younger brothers on Roxbury Road. And we just hang out at the dump all day, which is right between our houses, the town dump, which was like a safe, it's like a haven to me. So I'd hang out there, hang out with Connor and just take care of my mom and Aunt Shannon. Then, uh, yeah, then... Then Shannon passed away in, I think, in the middle of, or end of April. And then I was just like, you know what? Like, I'm going to go for a change. I'm going to pick D.C. Because in in Ultimate, there's only five or six cities that had a team at, at the level I was looking for. Uh, I had friends and family all over D.C. and Alexandria, Annapolis, and now Arlington. So it was a home base. Um, I was playing Whitecaps in the MLU that year, already committed to them. But I made the decision, I think, after one of the D.C.-Boston MLU games, I talked to John Neely um, and Peter Pryle and said, hey, I'm interested in moving to D.C. I might want to play truck stop. Like, what would that look like? And it looked like taking trains after practice, or after games on Friday, Saturday, take a train overnight from Boston to D.C., you know, 7 to 10 p.m. game, midnight to 8 a.m. train, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. tryout and, and truck stop. And luckily, after the first tryout, David Cranston calls me and says, Ron, like, you don't have to come back for any other tryouts. Like, this was enough. We know it's like a hard tryout. And then I told him, I was like, I was so happy to be taken on, you know, a club team after the previous year. I was like, this is call actually happened. I was in the basement of my aunt and uncles. I was like, 
David, I'm still coming next weekend. And I did the same exact train trip, like overnight, just because like, I was like, I was so happy to be part of a team again. So that, um, that wraps up the Northeast. And that year I did a little bit of both because I was still playing Whitecaps. So I commuted a little bit to Boston, commuted a little bit to D.C. My home base was probably Connecticut again. And yeah, after the MLU championship that I won, I moved to Washington, D.C. full-time, where we'll have to pick up on the next episode. so much for listening we'll be back with the final iteration of rowan's story next week see you then